Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by the palest door and my co-host, Alex Dandino. Made you sound mysterious as fuck. All right, guys, as always, if you're joining us today, uh, we hope you love the show, and if it's your first time, we hope you will love the show. So in that vein, we'd like to ask you, please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. That helps us out a lot, uh, growing the audience, finding more alchemists to join this party. Uh, You may see our faces as well as hear our voices on our YouTube channel, The Nerd Alchemist. Also working on some new fun non-pod content over there, so eyes peeled. Um, We're on all the social media you're on. Please find the show. Please share the show. Uh, Tell your friends about it. Invite them over there. That helps us out a lot. And it's a good way to get a hold of us. You can also reach us at our email address, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. If you just want to chit-chat, if you have an idea for movies you'd like to hear covered on the show, new or old, uh, themes, double features, guest hosts, anything like that, if you want to hear us talk about it, we would love to do that for you. So uh, always reach out to us, guys. We love hearing from you. All right, um, guys, we're here. Alex and I have decided, leading up to our October Mega Horror Marathon, where we will release a horror movie every single day in October. Uh, it's a daunting, enormous task. We appreciate you guys joining it on us. It was really popular last year. We're hoping you'll be around for every of the 30-some episodes we've done. Uh, we hope you won't abandon us and leave us, but we have some really great shit for you. But building up to that, we had this good schedule. We're like, we're going to try to get some of these due to the year we've been having, right? We talked about this with the wretched, right? It's been a really cool opportunity to see some of these smaller movies that sometimes struggle and get lost in the deluge of content, right? They don't make it to the big screens, right? They get drowned out by the newest, whatever, you know, that we all have to go see. At the theater, mm-hmm. and then Netflix drops a movie every t- 20 minutes. You know, there's always a big next thing. Some of these movies get lost, and I we th- have noticed there's been a really good amount of really high-quality stuff coming out in that kind of small indie range. So we thought we'd take some time and talk about some of those uh, while we can. So today's entrance, we actually found when we were doing one of our trailer reviews. So this is Aaron Kuntz's uh, The Pale Door. Uh, Now, you guys would have heard of Aaron Koontz, most likely. If you listen to this show, you love Shudder as much as I. Uh, He did Scare Package, which just dropped on Shudder a while back. Really fun uh, love letter to the horror uh, community. This one, though, a very different fare, man. So this is uh, a Western horror film, period piece, uh, but with a lot of drama and heart, man. So I will start off. I fucking adored this movie <laughs> alex what was your initial takeaway from watching the pale door i mean i don't see how you can it's it's great it's fun like it's not no it is not like some big budget you know western as most westerns shouldn't be to be honest with you but um <laughs> that's kind of like well, what let makes me pause western. you there for a sec if you are one of the imdb nerds they gave the, I think I read a review on IMDb because this movie is not doing as well on IMDb as I think it should be, right? Right. So I was like, what's the disconnect? I saw maybe five comments that people are like, 
why aren't the shirts dirty? I was like, all right, Wild West history nerd. Yeah. Like, can we focus on what the fuck is on the maybe we just Maybe we just focus on the movie, you know, itself. Yeah. Um, Again, well, why why did he have this color scarf? Well, I don't know, Old Navy shoe designer. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't know. Does Old Navy make shoes? I, I just outed been. myself as not fashionable. But yeah, guys, this is, again, this is a micro feature film, right? Like, if you told me this movie had a budget of a million dollars, right? I would be like, that seems like a lot. Like, it feels like a small indie film, right? Yeah. And I to mean, me, I think that's one of the charming things movie, about it, man. Me, you got to figure out how to do what you can. Yeah, this movie, like the pale door, feels like a movie that's made with a lot of heart. And I think that's something that's really yes. important. And I think that's something that if you can't see on the screen, I'm not sure we're watching the same movie. I think that's probably the biggest yeah. takeaway I had watching it is like I see performances by people who really like the material. Because, look, you and I both have worked in the business. We both work with people who have been in Westerns and crime movies and all kinds of shit. I can tell you right now, people who make Westerns love Westerns. And that's the only reason Westerns get made. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, not a lot of Westerns in the theaters. I mean, there's not a lot of movies in the theaters this day, these days, period. Not a lot of Westerns made at the theaters regardless, unless they were directed by, like, fucking J.J. Abrams. So as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> any Western that comes out is a passion project. And that's unequivocally what you can see when it comes to the Pale Door. Yeah, and to me, the westernness just dissolves away, right? The getting Almost hung up on like the period piece stuff. I just think this is such a charming brother story, right? Like I, yeah. I love the, but this is. I think you nailed it, right? And one of the things we wanted to talk about with some of these movies is smaller movies, right? They they require so much more passion, and I'm not saying it doesn't take passion by thousands of people to see something like infinity war come to the screen right i'm sure it of course does. but something like this you are fighting it's really funny these indie crews to me probably watch this movie and feel a lot like the characters we're just like fuck dude i gotta get up every day and work so hard for Absolutely. so little in return but you just are waiting right. for that promised goal of someday people will see this movie that otherwise probably wouldn't get made and right. this movie to me is just full of charm and love i I, I, I found it really endearing in a way I didn't expect. I, I was like, all right, we're going to have Wild West banditos shooting people up and murdering, right? And then we'll get to bad guys and we'll shoot them up and murder. Right. I was unprepared for my heart to be stolen, man, by this story. Um, I I love the story between, between these Dalton brothers, I believe their names are. But it just – because one of the things this movie does too, which is so – so perfect at the start is it <laughs> they literally wake up in the middle of the night and people are coming to murder everyone at their house right yeah and it's like let's get the fuck out of the house it's this tense setup and immediately i i found myself just so pulled away and being in my own mind like oh my god dude this is how people used to fucking live <laughs> and so you're sitting there watching you're like this sucks like how did people be cowboys there's no air conditioning you know, you're wearing jeans all the time. Like, imagine how gross your unders are. You know, I'm just appalled. I go every time I see a Western, I probably waste the first act not paying attention and imagining the absolute hellscape that would be life in the Wild West. And this movie gets into it fast and hard, right? We see that the decimation of a family and a family home, this and that. But they slip in these great little moments, right? The brother wrapping the scarf around the other brother's wrist, like, this is brother magic. I swear I'll look out for you. That kind of stuff 
it, I felt like the Grinch, right? My heart grows like 10 times. Those little beats like that, those little mm -hmm. honest beats, I fucking loved. I love yes. that. And it carries a lot through the movie. And that kind of little extra heart carries a lot more in a movie like this where they know those yeah. moments have to land. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the most important thing about this movie is these characters and the heart that you can see, not just like, not just from the movie itself, because like, obviously Aaron Coons right. understands what he's doing. And he also understands like, I don't know what the budget for this movie was. Like, I've been actually trying to find out because while I was watching the movie, I honestly was thinking like, I know they shot this in Oklahoma, but how much money did they have to make this? Because for one, they have like a very decent cast for a movie that's supposed to be like what I'm oh, assuming yeah. is a micro budget. Like, like production I, value, amazing. production values yeah. up the wazoo. Like they're getting like Western towns and all kinds of cool shit. Like, but this cast is like Noah Sagan and Pat Healy and then Zachary Knighton, who like honestly have never seen him be in a dramatic role short of like when he's depressed on it's always sunny for being a drug addict, abandoning his children. So like, this is like <laughs> the first time I've ever seen him do anything like this. And it was really cool. But again, like mm -hmm. it's like I was saying at the top though, like nobody in this, nobody on this movie clearly got involved thinking, I'm going to make a boatload making this Western. No one thought that. <laughs> so I think what's awesome is that everyone got involved going, I'm going to make a fucking Western I'm going to make a fucking horror movie that's set in the West and we're going to do some fucking awesome, awesome special uh, makeup effects, which I will get to. Yeah. And then like, and then Melora Hardin's in it. Like this cast is wonderful and everyone yeah. is so, so, so good. And I buy it from the jump, man. I'm with you too. Like that yeah. scene, right after the opening scene, it cuts to like, you know, whatever, 10 years later, 12 years later, something like mm -hmm. that. I guess maybe more, but that bar thing, the whole bit is so it's got such charm and it starts off as this kind of like Western -y thing. Cause like, that's the beat I'm always waiting for from a Western is like the saloon. What's going on in the saloon? These salty dogs having a, having a spit Dude, of shine. Could you imagine having a hangover in the wild West? Again, I just get stuck on this. Like <laughs> why even have the broom boy? You live in filth, like abject fucking filth and misery. Yeah. It's I, I asked Amy this question, right? Because there's a scene I adore at the end of this movie. The guy who plays the old tough gunslinger, right? Yeah. God, I forget what his name is. I'm so bad at actors. I'm sorry. Is that the guy uh, Lester in the movie? No, what? Lester. Lester is no. the guy that wrote sorry. the Dodd. So Bill Dodd, Sage is his name. Dodd, Bill Sage, right? Bill Sage, yeah. I have it on Letterboxd here. So Bill Sage is fucking awesome in this movie. And I love his character, right? But he has this moment where they're sitting in the church kind of going over the spoilers, spoilers, everyone. This is a newer movie. I always forget when we always do old movies. I forget <laughs> Warren for new movies. Um, but there's this scene where they're sitting in the church, right? And all seems lost. You know, it's just those two. And Bill Dodd, this super tough, I don't give a fuck about anyone. Like, don't interrupt me when I'm doggy styling brothel ladies. You know, like. Just he's in it for himself, right? He feels yes. a little bit greedy and uh, not warm, right? He's he's not a, a Martha Stewart type, let's say. Not that warm, inviting timber. But he starts breaking down. He's like, hey, man, don't think you're alone. I lost a brother, too. And uh, he has this like he's tearing up a little bit. And I fucking love that scene. So I was like, why do more scenes not have cowboys crying in Westerns? So I was telling I was talking to my wife. We were watching it side by side. And I was like. Do you think that every cowboy in the West cried themselves to sleep? 
Like you can't cry, you can't cry out in public, right? Because right. then you'd not be a tough boy. And if you're not a tough boy, the tough boys are going to come and take your stuff. Right. And your so, soft boys don't exist. They're dead. They're buried. Right. You got to be a tough boy. And I'm like, we don't always want to be tough boys. So like, could you imagine everyday toiling? And you come in and you're like, fuck, I'm going to sleep on this sticky feather mattress with, you know, little shitty springs that go all night. And I have to wear all the way down long johns and there's no AC. And, well, me and my kids are starving because farming sucks in the desert. And I was just like, imagine the life of a normal man Actually, in I- that era. Oh, yeah. And not only on top of farming and family strife, I casually will probably have to shoot a couple people every week. I was like... Every single cowboy goes to bed on a wet pillow. They all must cry. And so when Dodd was breaking down and he didn't go like full, you know, this is my Oscar moment, right? Like he, he held it back. He was real butch about it. But the fact that he still cried meant a lot to me, dude. Yeah. I was like, these fucking cowboys must cry every single fucking night. <laughs> well, and it's, it's especially important coming from him because the whole movie has been like the shitty tough guy. So, like, that's the best part yeah. is, like, you get this sort of, like, you get this sort of beat from him, you're like, oh, wow, he's actually seen some shit. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. this is, like, he's the he's the oldest one here now. So, like, he's the only one who has, like, fucking hated his life this long. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, also when you're that old, I mean, he might as well be 85 in Wild West years, right? Like, he's old as shit. Like, how is he not <laughs> In Wild West years, he's probably 35, which makes him like 80. Yes. I just live on uh, whiskey and murder. That's how I survive. <laughs> yeah, which Oregon Trail tombstone would he have gotten? <laughs> yeah, the fact that none of these characters are like, I think it's, the fact that none of these characters are slowly dying from tuberculosis throughout the movie is a win as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, know, all of them have their but health at least at the just, beginning. Right, but I'm saying, but that that moment to me illustrates a lot of what I like about that movie, right? I like these little quiet moments with these characters, and this movie finds a surprising amount of them, right? At that point, they're doing almost the From Dusk Till Dawn, we're trapped in, right? Right. Uh, it's a church instead of the titty twister, you know, holy ground instead of, you know, never mind. I'll skip that pun. But neither here nor there, right? There are these moments where we're just kind of, and that's, that's where you start to see these kind of differences between a micro budget film and a big budget film, right? right? Like, how do we get some bang for our buck? Let's write a scene where the actors dig in with their characters in a room and a room that we can control and can film wherever. And I think in this movie, it just fucking works out to such tremendous effect because the movie plays, I would say it's very fairy tale like in how it's laid out at the start, right? So we start off on this, very surreal home invasion and you know lester saving him we never see the burning house except for through a reflected eye things like this right it feels very surreal and when we get to the town right if there's an element of there's maybe like a give you have to give every movie right mine is like how did he find someone to duel in this town how did like the little hot shot just (laughs) find someone to duel and he's like, ah, oh, I got, got, oh. you know, the butcher boy got me. Oh, well, like they say at the, got. well, like they say at the top, like, oh, he's a bounty hunter. I'm like, really? The bounty hunter chased him that low? There's a million bounties probably going on in the wild west. You're telling me no one else was yeah. more bothered like than Oh, Hey, it's that scrawny he kid. I bring a shoot. posse. Yeah. He should have brought a posse. He should have just been shooting them from trees and shit. So he could bag all of them at once. Yeah. But, it's, uh, not like, it's not like they're like, it's not like the, it's not like this group is hidden. 
No, but but, but that's where it feels like. Right, but that feels like one of those supernatural rudders, right? Where it's this boy who I love that too, that he's just determined to like rebuy back the farm that was taken from him through blood. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna work real hard. That was one of the best lines. It's so fucking sweet and charming, right? Where he's like, you know, it's like you have to work ten years to get that far. He's like eight, eight months, years, seven, seven eight months, years, seven seven months yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, I it's just so loved like, it. I was like, that's so but that's what I mean, though, because it, it, this movie does a great job, right, for a Wild West film of doing a lot of that kind of Western world building without, you know, some of the more traditional ways, right? By, by saying something like that, what that movie's telling you is here's this kid who's been through this unimaginable, you know, terrifying situation. Right. Now he's almost getting killed by every salty bitch in this room where he's trying to just fucking broom up, you know, the dust into other dusty parts. And then all of a sudden, there's like, oh, there's a wanted poster. Oh, there's his brother. So you see this whole world. I mean, his brother's out becoming this notorious outlaw, and he's just desperately hanging on to this dream of rebuying the farm. So that world to me, right, even though we don't see anything in that town except for the main drag where the duel happens in that saloon and some of the rooms at the beginning, that world and town feels expansive to me, right? Because I know he's fighting for this piece of land. Like, it, it it builds the world out in a really great way in this film. Right. I mean, to me, I feel like, and this is the thing that I love about the way Aaron Koontz built this world, is that all the things I already know about, all the things I know, like, about Westerns exist. So he, like, doesn't have to spend any of the bullshit time a lot of people do, like, establishing Western motifs. And I think that's, like, the most important <laughs> thing about this movie because, like, we come into the movie like, you know how bad the West sucked at witches. Like that's like probably like the best way I would describe <laughs> like getting into this. Movie. That's the meanest thing of all time. What? What? It's so horrible. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Just like, ad- yeah, I can't like, think of anything I'd rather do less than live in the wild West. It's the word like, Hey, you know, what's yeah, bad it's terrible. eating shit. What if I piss in your mouth while you're doing it? Like, yeah, I get it. The West is, like, just that scene when they invade it's, the train. Yeah. Me and Amy were just like, could you fucking imagine? You're just like, I'm commuting to grandma's. Oh, there's brains splattered by my, you know, seven seat yeah. ticket. And these people are just jumping in. Well, think oh. about getting on the train in the Wild West. Like, it's funny, like, because I watched, um, like, probably la- last week, I actually watched the assassination of Jesse James. And I was watching the movie and I was like, I thought the same thing. I was like, imagine being on a train going like, well, yeah, I'm going to go to my, see my parents or something like that. And be like, however, there is like an 80% chance on this train ride. Someone's going to like hustle me for all my dough. And that's like my life. Yeah. Like again, that's like the (laughs) terribleness of the wild West. And then you add the supernatural elements that get added later on in the movie. And you're just like, no one was going to, no one can survive the West, let alone survive it with fucking, you know, which is no. from which is from which is of the old like that's like and but that's the thing <laughs> i love the most about the movie is that it's part of it because yeah it but doesn't... it's literally just this it's this desert of life right and you see every character has this small thing they cling to right whether yeah. it's the goofball you know gunman who's like i just want to be worth more money when they shoot me or calamity jane who's just running around hooking up with dueling brothers and you know grinding on guys on the train then there's just the hardcore murderer dot like everyone 
It actually kind of tickles my D&D bone. It's a really good, like, D&D party they built. Oh, totally. You know, a lot of interesting characters that immediately fill a role in your mind. So it was really fun to watch. But uh, it's just... But that's what I mean, right? So you see these characters, like, fuck, that's all they got to live for is this one little thing in this world of utter dog shit, right? And it's just, it's so stunning at the start. And then they just add this giant wild mystery on it. The the room with all the tough guys, right? The uh, the Pinkertons, right? Yeah. Just sitting in the fucking room guarding the chest. It's just one of those awesome, it's one of those things that movies can do so much better than any medium. Where just an image can set your mind ablaze. We're like, what the fuck is that? And the movie doesn't give us a long time to sit and ponder that, but a couple no. minutes, which yeah. in movie time feels really expansive. I mean, they could have pulled Godzilla out of that box by the time they opened it for me. You're like, why are all these dudes guarding it? And he says they're Pinkertons, and why do they have an armed escort? And oh my God. Uh, bonus points for some of the kills and effects in this movie. The spur to the mouth. that was a fucking rough one dude (laughs) but that's what i I was like that's another thing i'm like you just be doing your job making america safe you know by being a pinky pinky guy the next thing you know you're getting spur faced i was like not cool not cool wild west it's (laughs) yeah i mean again it's so you start there and i i i love I do love like the impetus for why they have to go to the brothel. Like it is like a great, like perfect wild West thing because the whole time I'm thinking like, there's no way this guy's going to survive. Like he gets like shot and then he gets, he gets gut shot and I'm like dead without question. I'm not, not you're skipping like a big part of the movie, right? Which is our dual reveal, right? Is that the young guy, William, right? Yes. He sees a girl and he lets her go. Right. He lets her go. And immediately in my mind, I'm screaming at the TV, take the fucking God. Like she's shot and he wants to be a decent guy. Of course, because it's the Wild West and everything sucks. That girl comes back and shoots his brother. Yes. And then the uh, the chief is like, no, like two. I thought he was saying like two moons, two, two moons. And this guy's dead. Right. Meanwhile, they open the box and it's just a girl in a Hannibal mask. Right. And, but see, that's that's another one. This is where you start latching on to Doug, because even though he's a piece of shit, you're like, he's like, they don't just put people in boxes because they ain't worried about them. And I was like, yes! Like, this should matter to you. Voice of reason. But, again, I love that. Again, this, like, constant theme in the movie of, like, listen, the Wild West sucks. But let's add a couple extra yes. things that are going to suck even more. And so it's like, if you get gut shot, you're probably going to die. And then you're going to find your way. You're going to finally get on your way to not a doctor, a brothel, in fact. <laughs> With, well, by, can we stop? Because what they actually find is like an evil dead shanty in the woods, right? Yes. They send their two guys out and they're like, there's nothing over there. And the girl escapes, right? She gets out of her little bonds and she comes back. She's like, mother's ready. I'll take you. I'm like what? They go into town, right? Because she mentions brothel. The speed with which this man's friends, right? The band of brothers are just like, I'm sad, but whiskey and snatch is so, so rapid. And that's why I was like, I don't know if this is some kind of, it reminded me a bit of a Pinocchio. It was a little Pinocchio at the, uh, the little Donkey paradise, Park. 
It was definitely a little Paradise yeah. Island. A, l- a little tiny Pinocchio, right? Where I was like, all the little Pinocchios came and they had a drink. And next thing you know, they're all, you know, their fucking noses are growing and they're running up to the brothel rooms. Right. But I was just like, the speed with which that happened. <laughs> like, we need a doctor. I'll be in room seven plowing. <laughs> it's so, but this is, but again, that's such a fucking great moment. You're like, again, it gets back to the life these people lead. It's this <sighs> subtle reinforcing of every fucking moment could just be it. And you're like, well, I'm not going to waste know. a perfectly good brothel waiting right. on a doctor. Right? Well, I mean, and again, this is, yeah, that's the like, Un, that's the limitless potential of the wild west is like how terrible can this get do you think i have time to you know plow is that possible like but think of this though think of this most of them don't even finish one drink before the one guy's in the bathtub with his fucking feet up. <laughs> the other guys are getting massaged yeah i mean it's like they're not even like oh well now we're drunk no <laughs> they're not even getting drunk they just want they just need something but like yeah. Again, I, and it's Melora Walters, who I think is a fucking phenomenal actress. I I love seeing her in movies, which is, again, a credit to why this movie is worth watching, in my opinion, because people like Melora Walters and Zachary Knighton and a lot of like and I mean, a lot of people, Pat Healy, like these are like indie people who like making good movies. So to me, they wouldn't sign on for this unless it was going to be something worth watching. So. Yeah, I love sitting down and watching these guys do their thing and getting separated and that kind of stuff. Because when all hell starts breaking loose, which, by the way, some of my all time favorite makeup effects, it's like the combination of like the descent <laughs> and the witches. Which I, again, I, it was oh it's, god, yeah, it's perfect timing. The uh, um, well, let's let's do this right now. Walk me through what you liked about our witches in this movie. What was a little different that kind of stuck out for you? What made them pop? Because I thought the same thing. I was like, this is so much different than how we normally see witch movies. And it felt really fun and exciting to me. What was it for you that lit you up right away? I just like that it's not. I like that it's taking it does the witches thing. It's not doing this just, I don't know. It's not doing, let's put it, let's say it's not doing an American horror story thing. Like it's not just a bunch of women standing around trying to sacrifice. Someone. Yeah. It's the no like, Stevie Nicks doing uh numbers at the top <laughs> real <laughs> missed opportunity. Like I like though, that there is this sort of, <laughs> there is this sort of the, 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 the switch and the, again, the makeup. I love the shot where, um, yeah. I love the shot where the ones crawling on the ceiling like that. I'm like, Holy shit. Oh. I am in for this right now. That's like, that's super cool. Well, that's like that's mm. like one of those new abilities. You're like, oh shit, yeah. But like, I oh I God. like that the MVP are MVP gross. of the brothel scene is without a doubt when uh, Lester fucking shotguns the lady and she goes ah and flies up on the antlers. <laughs> so yes. good, but no, but this, I mean, it was it was strange on a couple levels, right? Because what I thought is I was like, man, these are more like 28 days later zombies. The descent's a good analog, right? We are like, that is what it felt like to me. It didn't feel like witches at all. Right. We had our main two witches, right? So Pearl being born 
Maybe. We don't even know what the fuck Pearl is supposed to be, right? So I like right. the going back and we do the classic witch story. But again, this witch story has this really cool dramatic undertone where you're like, the ginger priest 100% knocked her up with that baby, right? Because when the men grab her and spin Pearl's mother around, right? And she sees the priest, she's like, please let me have the baby and you can take me. Right. She's not talking to a, a murder priest from Salem. No. She's talking to the baby daddy. Right. And again, he's like, I will disguise my sins and, you know, burn you at the stake. And so it gives it this extra juice, right? You're like, oh, so now this scene has some juice. It's not just another burning at the stake. It's this real emotional fucking moment. And seeing a pregnant woman being burned, of course, is always going to be a visceral moment. But that's what I mean. There's this extra juice to it, right? And then they give you these tidbits of, oh, that was 200 years ago. Oh, that was the day my daughter was born. Wait, 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 wait. What? Excuse? Hold on. And then next thing you know, everyone is turning into – yeah, it does kind of have that witch's vibe, right? The Angelica Houston takes her face off. Right? <laughs> but they're – but they're also what I like about them, right, is not only do they feel like zombies more than witches. Right. And then when we get out in the woods, they're almost feral, like werewolves. Totally. You know, there's. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Predatory, striking nature. Right. T like claws and teeth more than, you know, brewing bubbly potions and cackling. Yeah. Well, you still have that a little bit with the other two. But sure. um, what I thought it was just that interesting nature and there's something they did in the makeup that made them look like hellfire was kind of burning through the skin right which made them feel almost like they were vengeful spirits sent back right because this movie also gets on this this original myth of the wild west of this is when we built like everything we built in our country in the early phases we built off the backs of innocence and less fortunates yeah. right like this is a true uh you know eat the other so they don't eat you kind of a society at this point. And right. so that priest to save his skin destroyed this woman. And so the thought of them being sent back to avenge that is, it felt a little extra cool to me. I was really into that. Yeah. I like that. I just love those. Like I, I love the sort of, I love that we're not precious with the witches here. Like, I think that's the thing I like the most is that it feels <laughs> scary because it's yeah. not just like, it's not like, dracula brides and that kind of shit because that's also a very popular thing is like oh they're seductresses they're like succubus i'm like no one's gonna try to bang a corpse zombie hellfire burnt lady with you know surprisingly gray <laughs> hair like yeah. I, li I like that we're not leaning it <laughs> i do get the feeling that dodd was like finish question mark <laughs> <laughs> yes there is certainly that when he got interrupted and turned around and saw the witch was he like I think i can handle it. yeah i was like oh sweet are we gonna get are we gonna get dodd doing like a drive angry and like taking out witches while he's finishing inside one like but there was like there is just this sort of like there is that great originality though of doing it where like no these aren't just you know when these aren't just like seductresses like and i i hate that like it's yeah. a, it's a trope of it's a trope i of, mean technically they were all brothel prostitutes as their ruse i mean not a very good ruse. By the time the, the clock struck 12, they all turned into hags. So <laughs> would have figured it out eventually. That's so mean. It's so weird because some horror movies love to do this where the monsters, like, let the guys get, like, just far. I mean, this isn't, like, at least the tall man in Phantasm, he used to disguise himself as the woman in red dress. Right, right. And he'd, like, let his titties get felt up before he's like, ha-ha! And I was like, 
There's uh, something I, in that for you, tall man. You I, like the titty squeeze or else you just yeah, admit. I liked that it didn't lean into that brothel <laughs> thing of like, oh, well, let them all fuck and then feel good about them. So like, no, kill them. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's this lulling them into a sense of security? They're idiots and they're going to get laid in a brothel. Clearly, they have no regard for their but health. That scene health was really interesting, too. Right. Because Lester, who had the scars on his back, yep. he was kind of getting rubbed down. Wiley, Pat Healy's character, was just getting his hair brushed. Yeah. Right? That's weird. There's a bathtub guy. Of course, Dodge just like, fuck this, last short. <laughs> Bend over. <laughs> right? But that you saw, again, it's very D&D, like, you're in a brothel. You see a prosty. Uh, how do you react? Yeah. Like a gentleman, comb my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Like, everybody's doing it. Like, what I like is that everybody, everybody in the movie... And I think this is the thing I like the most about the gang itself is everyone is uniquely their own character. Like there's no one that just fades into the background of like, oh, that person. Like everyone's got a little thing and yeah. you got something to latch on. And you don't have it. to waste five minutes per character doing it. They no. just Pat Wiley's it's character who thinks he's this thing. fancy gentleman. Right. Yeah. He thinks he's the brains. And the thought of he really just wants to, to feel pampered. Right. He just wants his hair comb. I love that. That's the kind of little character shit that I eat up, right? Like, you don't have to give me a monologue. Well, it, I started being book smart when my peppy threw a Bible at my brain at, you know, fourth grade because I didn't milk the cow right. Like, you could do it that way, too, with an, a monologue or whatever. Yeah. I like the hairbrushing. I like it, man. I thought that was cool. But, yeah. So, about the witches. Uh, talk to me about Pearl. What on earth is even Pearl? Is Pearl a real girl? Is she a crow? Uh, we saw her coming out of, a, as the kids would say, some cap. Right? So they pulled mom off the old uh, pyre. Some cap. And they took her in. Yeah, some cap. Some, uh, some fucking uh, crispy-ass pussy. Right? Some cap. Uh, so they, yeah, she was just burnt to a crisp. And they're like, she's crowning. Her, you know, weird friends are hanging out. And I believe it's a crow's beak to come out. So I was like so that's pearl is pearl a crow <laughs> what is pearl <laughs> i mean if pearl's a crow technically that would make them a, a like, i mean that's just like a double spawn right yeah that's Not what i was like are they going for like an almost antichrist scenario i don't know if it's antichrist i think it's more just too just much. like antichrist is like has that here's my thing whenever it's like an antichrist thing Every Antichrist story ends up like, well, they're here to like take over the world. This doesn't feel like a take over yeah. the world type thing. This just feels like straight they up have revenge. their world. They have their world. They this have is, their world. This is revenge. So to me, it's more just like, yeah, she banged a demon demon spawn. Like, that's just all it is. Like pearls just spawn of demon, not devil. Well, which I, well, I like a little bit in in the Odyssey, right? It's Cersei, right? The woman who draws sailors in and turns them into livestock. Mm -hmm. That's very much what this feels like, right? Like being scorned and destroyed for no reason. And then you are now the lure, right? So, you know, travelers are caught. Because there's that really interesting line when they first get to the brothel uh, where Pearl comes in and the mom's like, how are you enjoying your presence? And she's like, so much. So you get the feeling that this Dalton gang may have been the long game target the entire time, right? Right. That they were somehow gifted to her, right? That Pearl is sent here 
specifically to be uh, the worm on the hook to draw in these these unfortunate souls, right? Right, right. And they're like, if they're in the brothel and they get in the bathtub within three minutes, we know, we know they're a damn soul. Get them. Right. Just way too quick into the, the bath, right? Yes. I, I couldn't get over that. But that I thought that was a cool – because we see a couple cool things, right? Like, I liked when the, the witches pretended to be the brother and they didn't know to say, hey, little brother. Yeah. They shot it and it turns into crows as it falls. We also saw the what could have been a werewitch scenario. Definitely. Where one of them bites Lester's leg, and next thing you know, a crow burrows from his calf all the way yes. up through his mouth. Horrendous death. So these witches have some extra cool uh, powers and abilities, man. Yeah, I was fascinated I like that. by that. Yeah, I uh, I liked that. Oh, also, um, we, we totally skipped over uh, what really is our new game in the village. I thought was really cool, which is... There's one of the coolest things I loved in the movie. One of the coolest moments, right? Is when uh, the younger brother's downstairs, right? And he's kind of like, hey, these ladies aren't my type. You know, like I'm not here to fuck or drink. Right. Just trying to buy the family farm, right? They hint at, you know, he he's probably gay. Something like that, right? So he's not being won over by any was, of the delights. I thought of it this was more brothel, just a hint right? that he was a virgin. No, well, at the end, he's like, what are you going to give me? Money, women, men, right? He uh, says that at the yeah. end with the question. So I assume that's what they were getting at, right? Got it. Um, okay. You know, so he's not being lured in by any of their their carnal delights, right? And so then she starts questioning. She's like, so you've never killed anyone? He's like, no, I've never, I've never killed anything. Or like, I mean, he's never killed another person, right? He's an innocent. And they do this thing where it's like this hard, like, evil dead cut. Sh -sh -sh, with every witch's head, like, snapping, like, yeah. the fuck? Like, oh, we got a non-bathtubber. This is big. This is huge. Right, <laughs> get out the fancy plates. This is the true innocent blood, and all the heads snap like they can't fucking believe. Yeah, that in the wild west there's one decent human being. Love it. And I thought which, that was which, so. Which again so cool. goes back to our credence. How fucking terrible could the wild west be that not a single decent person's been to this brothel town in eons? Like, oh, so I bet that brothel is regularly traveled or is it i mean they're all surviving on tainted shit blood right <laughs> i did love that they just <laughs> there was a shot and this is so funny because my wife my wife chimes in here or there with the good one yeah and so there's the scene when they cut and they're like it's blood magic right and i don't know why part of the blood magic is we need to put pat healy's thinning hair into the blood before we dump it on the lady but my wife's <laughs> so they're dumping the blood on this lady and her tits are out. And my wife goes, nice of them to let the busty lady go first. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, okay. Like, oh, the bustiest witch just needs to get a uh, 90s uh, double dared so that you can see it. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was good. That's why you should watch movies with your wife, guys. They'll oh, show yeah. you the things that we overlook. Yeah, for real. Oh, Amy Griff. Amy Griffey <laughs> viewings are always a classic for this pod. I gotta say. Yeah, she just kind of looked at me like, hmm, <laughs> not the most artistic of choices. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't sign the waivers. I don't know what. They <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Well, she's got a bigger chest area. We better use up the blood on her first. The rest of you lighter, ladies. You'll get the leftovers with the paintbrush. I don't know. She was just staring at me. And I was like, 
what did I do? I was like, I didn't put the boobs in the boob. She just like. <laughs> she looked at me like I had just run and jumped in a bathtub. Like that's oh god, ridiculous. Classic. Uh, yeah, they also. That's what I was wondering. I was like, I wonder when they put the Pat Healy hair in the blood, if that's how they tricked him into eating the glass later. Oh, I assumed that was part of it. Yeah. Maybe that's how the Oculus ruse went down. Yeah, maybe that's it. Oh, yeah. It's just I it love a cool movie. I man. love that Pat Healy gag, too. That was like straight out of Event Horizon. It was man. his fancy little jerky holder. Yeah. <laughs> that's his one little delight, man. That little fucking event oh, horizon. Oh, dude, throwback. you're talking about when he event horizoned his ass. Yeah. And he's like, hell is our only treat or something like that. He was, yeah, it was like, I seen the pale door. Just fucking event horizoning himself. That is just so dope. I feel bad. What's that? <laughs> I do. I will say this. Maybe I was laughing when my wife was like grilling me about boobs when I they said it. I don't think I ever figured out what the fucking pale door was. <laughs> I was like, is that the brothel ladies? Is that uh, the cap? Is that the the saloon door that works like a TARDIS and can send them out to the woods or wherever? I thought the pale door was just Hellmouth in general. So I could be wrong. I mean, I know it's- Oh, the, that could be. I know it's at the top of that with that Edgar Allan Poe quote. So I assume that's where it comes from, uh, but- My wife was probably yelling at me about it. Probably. What the hell? What the what? hell? No, she's really cool. She's really cool. I don't know why I make her sound like that. Because it's funny. It was just so fun. Well, it's funny because you watch it and you don't even think twice about it. I've seen so many horror movies and you're just like, yeah, there's boobs. Yeah. Cool. I mean, like boobs again, that have like, no reason to be in the film, but they're just there. And you're like, fine. But my wife just looked at me and was just like, trash person. <laughs> oh, Amy. So judgmental. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, so honestly, what, what else did you love on the way out, though? I like Dodd's exit. I love Dodd's exit. I like the br- and I mean, he's just like, we've had this meeting for a long time. He went down like a boss. He finally showed emotion. I will say this. I wanted to murder that younger Dalton motherfucker because Dodd's like, I'll take him. And he's trying to kill as many as he can. He's getting chewed on. And the guy's like, I better stop behind this wall that's 20 feet away. It's like, run, you little motherfucker. <laughs> All right. So let me let me hit you with this, Alex. I thought the climax of this movie, right? Because we've talked about this. We talked about it even with The Wretched recently. Right. The movie starts to lose its steam a little bit when we have our it's time to fight the the witch or the monster moment, right? Right. So this one is spectacular, and they set up the red line around the church. Why this place has a church, I don't even know, right? Shocking. <laughs> Maybe it's part of their game, and they can come and go as they want. Part of the game. Right? You get the cult imagery. You get the skulls, the mask, the hoods. I'm in on all of it. All this part is fun. Now we have to fight the monster. I think this movie makes a brilliant choice and says, we're not fighting the monster at all. Right. Right? And I will say it was a legitimate nod of the cap for me where I was like, holy shit. They found a way around it, right? So instead of we're going to battle monsters with our pistols, right? Go out the way Dodd went out. The way most of these movies end is an inevitable monster fight. Right. They went back to what I love so much in the first scene is this bond between brothers, right? The brother magic, the passing of the scarf for the last time. What did you make of this final moment, man? I mean, I just like that. I like you lose because, again, like you lose a lot of this like, all right, there's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot of gore. There's a lot of right. violence. There's a lot of. <laughs> horror elements happening. Bloody boobs. I love, though, there's a lot of bloody boobs, according to Amy. There's yes. a lot of bloody titties. The uh, chestier <laughs> ones. Um, yeah. 
the thing I love though is that again, this does a great job of just kind of bookending itself. I think the brother magic and the brotherly love aspect gets lost in the middle. Not necessarily lost, like oh, it's just it just gets sidetracked because we have to get. Well, the one movie. brother is just laid up. He's shot and out of the sword. right. Exactly. So yeah. I, I just I like that they come back to this. It's a central theme and you realize that that's what the movie really is about. It's not just about brothel or revenge or any of that shit. It's about these two brothers making their way through the world together. This shitty, shitty world that is the Wild West. <laughs> well, honestly, to to I but I, I loved it so much because he's just like, I want his safe passage. And this guy knows because they've essentially said, like, we can live off his blood for decades. Like this right. guy's becoming a dog to these fleas, right? Like he's going to get fucking drained or me to mosquitoes. Every time I go outside, you fucking vile devil bugs, but neither here nor there. Like he's just going to be there to be drained and probably tortured. And you know, God knows what else is going to happen. Right. Um, but this, this comes on the back of this revelation that Lester gives us too, that his dad was a robber and he right. didn't want you to follow in his footsteps. Don't, don't carry the hate in your heart. And in this world that we spend time in, it's really easy to see how hardened everyone becomes. Like, I better shoot first and take what I can because that's what's going to happen to me. And how the older brother never had a choice. And I thought it was weird that his first choice in the movie, because he, he doesn't make the choice for the younger brother to sacrifice himself, but right. he does make the choice to ride off on that fucking horse. I thought that was a really strange, not like a, a moment where I was like, that's ridiculous. I thought it was super fascinating, yes. right? Why he actually rode away from his brother. And again, he's been passed out for a lot of this, so he doesn't know about the boundaries and the brothel and whatever. He has not a lot of spatial awareness as far as his day is gone. But he knows he's leaving his younger brother with these, you know, people that probably don't seem right. And he goes, and I I thought that was such a beautiful moment, man. He's like, just forgive dad. Don't, like, bury the hate. Yeah. Right? And we cut to this at the end. We just see this very stoic version of the farmhood life, right? The movie starts with the farm burning and in chaos. And now we see this guy, right? He survived his wounds. He has a kid, right? You know, uh, and a wife. And he's just out farming and feeding chickens. And he has this little cross to his brother with the, you know, the brother magic scarf, man. He doesn't wear it anymore. He has it on there for him, right? Right. And that... That series of images, right? So I'd ask you, why did he leave, right? Why did he let his brother make the deal? His younger good brother, the one truly good person in the world, why did he let him become the blood bank for these ladies, assuming he knows, which he may he may just not have known and been delirious. And And what did that series of images at the end mean to you? I mean, to me, it's about... Well... I don't know. I mean, you have little brothers, so I, I'm the oldest. Yeah. I think you're the oldest. <laughs> Not, I'll tell you this for a fact. Both of my brothers would have been like, yeah, let Josh go. I love him. And as soon as that little like ranch archway appeared in the smoke, they'd be like, fuck you. And they would run and leave me to be this week's feast. Right. Both I, of my brothers would betray me. But I think that's like, <laughs> but that's what it is, is like the purity of, to me, it was like, the purity of this brother has to like him saying like forgive father like get over it like not get over it that's a little glib but like forgive father like be at peace with the fact that 
this is this was your life this was our life and now but it doesn't have to be like i think that after his brother it. always told him let go of that past right, right? exactly he's yeah. like he's spitting it back and i i love that kind of thing about like hey not only should you forget the past you got to forgive it and i think that's like yeah. the most important thing about the brother bond between them so like you know the reason he would leave is because this is a brother who's been saving his money. He's been trying to keep, and this is a brother who out of the goodness of his heart was going to help him, you know, chain gang it and so on and so forth. Yeah. He's the only one who survived because he's a good enough person. He can survive this, whatever hell wow. this, whatever fresh hell this is, because it can't be yeah. nearly as bad as dysentery, which is almost certainly in his future. <laughs> whatever fresh hell this is, he knows his younger <laughs> brother can take it. Like it's about, love and remembrance and making sure that yeah. when you forgive yourself, you for, when you forgive yourself and you forgive your past, uh, you can put anyone at peace. And I think that that's kind of yeah. what I got from it. Well, I wondered if it was almost, he didn't fully understand what was happening. Cause I, I, they don't get a lot of moments on screen together, but the ones they do, they really make the most of. And I love that moment earlier when he's like, I got to tell you, like I saw her, I didn't shoot her. And he's like, I know. Right. He's like, I know. And I'm, I'm yeah. glad you couldn't pull that trigger. I and I that. thought that was just one of those awesome moments. You, you felt like that was going to be the like late third act reveal. Mm-hmm. I got him shot. And they'll be like, you're the reason we're in this fucking mess. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's what, what I thought. Apart. But the brother just gave him that. No, I'm fucking glad you couldn't, man. Totally. And so part of me wonders if he just woke up and he's like, am I in heaven? There's two ladies <laughs> and my younger brother's there being a great guy. And like, I'm going to ride this horse. Like, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden he gets back to his life. And he's like, fuck. I mean, it could be, but I think it, it almost, it certainly, that definitely could be it. I feel like that almost cheapened the point a little bit, obviously. But I sure. mean, to me, it's just about, it's the perfect bookend to a movie about two brothers trying to survive, not just the wild west, but now witches and a death cult and all these other things that like yeah. they weren't necessarily prepared for. But more importantly, what the bigger thing they weren't prepared for is, having to have this revelation about themselves as brothers, which is like, Mm -hmm. you have to forgive, you have to forgive the past to move on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is like train robbery and all this stuff that the older brother was doing throughout the, you know, in the preamble of the movie itself is him, not him, not forgiving the past. Like he's repeating it because Mm -hmm. he can't forgive what it is. So him forgiving is what lets it go. Finally, not necessarily yeah. forgetting, but forgetting, forgiving. And he can, upon the ruins of their family and the lies of their family, he can build an earnest home and raise William Jr., whatever. He named his son after the, his brother, right? Right. And he can give him that life that his brother was working to save up for, right? And so in a weird way, I think that's kind of the cool last image of the film is this grief, right? And I think that was what everyone in the West felt. I think all cr- cowboys fell asleep crying in their pillows every night. How horrible it was. But instead of letting that tragedy harden you, at the end, the brother just fucking melts like butter, man, and just lets it all go. Now he's a, a farmer, and he's got a kid, and everything's cool. And so his tragedy led him to a place of softening up and hoping for the best, right? Like, it's weird that all of this leads to a hopeful ending. I mean, but I thought that was such a cool. That's what you want. Yeah. The shooting witches only gets you so far. And I thought that was the thing this movie did really well was finding those really beautiful moments to to fucking uh, tickle the heartstrings, man. And that final image just I mean, it just does work. 
And then there's a crow. Yeah. Right? So they did the horror movie thing. I'm like, ah, don't ruin my my idyllic fucking imagery. Because then I was like, is that Pearl? Is that the brother now? But that's He's what I love the in. most is it honors both genres that it's playing with, which is like you have like the little tag at the end for the horror genre people. And then yeah, yeah. for a Western, that's exactly how most Westerns end with this kind of like sunny disposition of like, man, it's shit out here, but we are alive. Like, and that's. Yeah. I mean, every Western I've ever, like, I mean, I think that's the really fascinating thing about, like, this reminded me a little bit of how, like, 310 to Yuma ends. The original one, not the, um, not the remake, but the original one ends with, like, Van Heflin literally walking over the ridge and saying, well, hello, wife. And, like, that's, like, the thing, like, you think he's dead. And that is the thing that Westerns do very well is, like, end on a happy ending. You have to have the hero win in some way yeah. and this was a little backwards but the hero technically wins it's interesting but in a way so yeah the younger brother and the witch actually have a pretty parallel journey so it makes sense they're stuck together right yeah so this witch is trapped in the what if the priest didn't knock me up and burn me uh she has a daughter who's probably really a crow hell spawn and she's kind of living out a false life in a more obvious way with her little uh her little brothel bathtub setup. But the brother's doing that too. This I can just go back and rebuy the family that I lost. So them both being stuck in that tragedy, it does feel like it did feel like the younger brother never could have ridden out of there and been okay. Yeah. Right? He he was the one who was constantly stuck in the the problems of the past and the idyllic what could have. Mm-hmm. Uh and the weird weirdly so is the mama witch. So yeah. maybe it all works out. Uh who was the crow at the end? Last thing. Who was the crow at the end? I actually thought it was the brother, but I liked to think it was the brother too. But I was like, I feel like it was probably Pearl. Like, <laughs> I probably, knew innocent to yeah, eat. Right? <laughs> They're coming in for like that house is going to be Golden Corral in like six years, <laughs> for sure. But uh, that's not as nice. That's not, not a, as hard. Not, a, so, yeah. not a Ponderosa. My my final pitch to you guys, right? You know, for whatever, you know ratings are on sites and this and that i don't think that shit matters what i found this movie to be is immensely full of heart chock full of scary horror imagery that i fucking love and i just honestly i like spending time in this weird ghost brothel town with this cool D D crew of fucking gnarly cowboys uh you get to see actors that you normally wouldn't see just delivering and it's fun man. it sells the ending to me this is the perfect find this uh video on demand this is the great kind of thing that hopefully is going to rise up yes uh you know as there's just kind of a hole right now without movie theaters and this and that i really i don't there's not a metric that this movie doesn't deliver for me on man i i i found myself captivated and we didn't even talk about this movie has a fucking killer score oh my god yes it's so fucking good man good man and yeah. that's that's that would be my argument to you guys, man. Don't look online and try to find reasons why people don't like things and be like, well, one guy didn't like the amount of dirt on a white shirt, so I'll yeah. skip it. This movie is so fucking full of things to love. Yeah. I think that's the important that I thing. I would say spend your time and money, man. That's the important thing about this time we all have at home, which is while we all might be working from home, just dealing with all of this, take advantage of the fact that – streaming has a lot to offer that maybe movie theaters can't like while we can't go to the theater and enjoy that time in the dark find something here 
that you wouldn't find on a normal like do the like do the deep Amazon dive, do the deep Hulu dive, do the deep Netflix and, dive, and even more importantly than that, fucking pay for fucking it. Fucking pay for it if it's pay on for demand. These movies, give they this need movie it. your money, and that's how we'll get more of these kinds worth of movies. It, which I it, I would love to get it. this movie every week. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I want a movie like this every week, and this is how we make that happen. Pay guys. your so, pay your monies, yeah. put your money where your mouth is, guys. This is the way to yeah. do it. As our friend Josh Lobo said when he came and pitched his movie that you should also pay for, I Trap the Devil, pay for that shit. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. I don't think that was his exact phrasage, but pay for that shit. Uh, yeah, man. I was so glad to walk through the pale door. Um, I hope you guys find it. I hope you pay for it, and I hope you enjoy it, too. If you do, shout it out on your socials, spread it around, do the same for this amazing podcast episode. <laughs> Woo! Candle, I'm a tough boy. I'll come and steal your shit. Yeah, so share us around. My impressions of cowboys are great. Uh, <laughs> find us on all your social media. Shout us out. Shout out the pale door. Uh, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Maybe you have some other hidden gems that are out right now that we can pay for and cover. We would love to do that. Uh, you need to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Nerd Alchemist. It's mandatory. Do it. Or else I'm coming to your house as a crow. And, uh, yeah, that's all, man. We just love this movie. <laughs> for The Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Tandino.